This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, and we are joined in the flagship podcast interview this week by Texas tight end Cade Brewer. Cade, how are you doing? Doing well. Down here in Florida for a little weekend getaway. Doing well. Um, Just trying to stay in shape and, you know, just taking some time off right now, but doing well. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot to get into with you here. I mean, um, from what I hear, you're taking a little time off before you start getting into training for uh, the NFL draft or pro day, all that stuff, the NFL draft process. Um, But uh, I wanted to start off with you because um, you were part of the initial NIL initiative. um, Well, one of the big group NIL initiatives uh, that Texas supporters have started. Rick Vasquez, um, the owner of surlyhorns.com, started the Burnt Ends program to 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 get ten thousand uh, dollars to the to the tight ends at Texas. So tell me how this you know how this came about and and how it's worked. Like if you're getting paid and all that stuff. Yeah. So. It was during fall camp in August. I got a DM, direct message from them on Twitter from the Surly Horns Twitter group. And I didn't really think anything of it. I thought it was kind of like a fluke. I didn't think it was was actually real. Then actually my dad uh, texted and called me. He's like, these guys like want to do an IO thing with the the tight end groups. Uh, I think you should do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I finally reached out. I finally reached back out to him, and um, we got a we got a little deal going on. We got the 10k over a year uh, deal with a little like podcast appearances here and there, and um, showing up to like events that they want us to show up uh, want us to show up to. But uh, it was a good deal. I mean, every tight end in our room, including Nathan Hatter, one of our walk on tight ends, got the nil deal, which is cool. Um, but um, my dad helped with the contract and just went from there. They've been they've been awesome. Uh, they're not getting any profit from the uh, this nil deal, which is um, you know props to them because um, you know it's awesome. But it's going well. It's <laughs> definitely didn't expect um, to have that big a deal, honestly, coming out of this year. Yeah, I mean that's one of the bigger deals that um, obviously initially that had been done anywhere uh per player and and from what i understand they paid you you get your scholarship stipend and so they tried to pay it uh, at times like when you maybe a month where you don't get a scholarship stipend tell me how that worked yeah so 
me and my dad kind of like talked about it and like when we get our scholarship checks, like what time of the year, like what times of the year that we don't get as much money from our stipends. And usually that time is right now. Um, really, usually the month of December, we don't get paid from the school if you're on scholarship. So that's where like our big like bonus comes from. I think it's like $1,200 or something like that. But um, I'm different because I'm obviously done. My eligibility is done. So like once your eligibility is done, your NIL deals go away. So I'm actually getting paid you know, a lot more this month than um, the other tight ends that are staying. But it's been like 500 a month. Then this month in December, you'll, I think we'll get like a 1200 bonus because we're not getting our stipend check from the school. So that's, me and my dad kind of like made that you know, rule up and you know, kind of worked out. Yeah, you all have kind of helped um, Rick Vasquez, uh, Rob Blair, these two guys who've also now started the the Pancake Factory, the Horns <laughs> with Heart um, initiative to help offensive linemen. And, and so, I mean, what were your expectations going in once NIL passed uh, and became a law? And, and did this exceed what you thought would happen? Yeah, I thought, you know, my expectations coming into this NIL deal, I, I thought it was a huge step in college football, and it's really going to and already change college football as it is. You know, I just saw that, you know, this early horn started the pancake factory, and each offensive lineman's getting 50K, which is ridiculous. But <laughs> football's changing. It's changing with the NIL stuff. But um, I, I honestly didn't expect this early horn deal and how much money they're going to give. Didn't expect that, but I expected to get some NIL deals from these small companies that me and my dad know, but didn't expect the Shirley Horns deal at all and didn't expect that they would be giving us this much money, but it's awesome. I'm not complaining over here. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw <laughs> your mug on a billboard, didn't I? Yeah, so my my dad has a really good friend and uh, one of his golf buddies, his name is Dave Hinkle, and he owns – he founded this uh, this beef jerky company called Pure Jerky, and me, Josh Thompson, Cameron Dicker, all got together and did a little deal with them. And we got like there one day we went to Westlake Westlake High School, went to their fields, and took some photos with uh, one of his camera guys. And he said he's gonna put a billboard up on I thirty five. And it took him a while because we took those pictures in August, but. About a couple weeks ago, he sent us a picture, and <laughs> there it is, a billboard up on I-35. And I was like, dang, that's kind of cool. So we'll see how long it stays up there for. But, yeah, we got a billboard on I-35 going up to Dallas. So That's wild. Now, is Kerstetter, who I know is a, a friend of yours, is he pissed that like he's leaving right as this oh, NIL um, money's coming? Yes, I'm sure he's really mad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean – I saw that uh, Denzel, Okafor, and Tope Amade are tweeting about it. I mean, I'll be mad too, like, especially with them. They're, they stayed there six years. So, like, especially them staying six years and finally getting an NIL opportunity, and then they graduate, and now the, the O-liner are getting 50K a year. So, like, I mean, I'll be mad too. I'm, I'm mad. I'm not even O-liner. So, <laughs> <laughs> but now, now, some guys – some guys are killing it. Like Bijan is killing it. Like I've heard he's over a million dollars. He won't oh, talk yeah. about it. Oh yeah. It's like humble. He's got 
he's got a an I deal with every company. I think like it's ridiculous. He went to Vegas like last week for the boxing thing. Yeah. D A Z N whatever that company's called. But yeah, he's he's doing well. I know that for sure. And he's represented by David Mulligetta of Athletes First, who's like one of the top agents yeah. in sports. Not surprising. He's Bijan's he's a rich man. Say <laughs> <for> that. <laughs> Rich in personality, rich in talent, and rich in the pocketbook. Exactly, exactly. Um, so how do you think this NIL stuff affects the locker room? I think you can't let it this NIL stuff get carried away and get carried away by meaning that letting that stuff affect you on the football field. I think, you know, it, ter- it takes a certain amount of, you know, pride and the good attitude about not worrying about NIL stuff, let that stuff take care of itself off the field and not bringing that stuff onto the football field into the locker room. I think that's going to be the big issue. Um, as this NIL still NIL stuff keeps going on, especially with this new deal that O-linemen have, like, yeah, it's going to gain recruits. Yeah, it's going to gain national attention. But can you forget all about that in the locker room and on the field? I think that's going to be the big issue with this NIL stuff. Yeah, especially like the incoming guys, because like, I mean, Sark has made no bones about the fact he wants to bring in like seven to nine offensive linemen uh, in this 22 recruiting class to try to get that position group fortified. And so now recruits see that if they go to Texas, they get $50,000. Every single scholarship O-lineman um how's the the established locker room gonna view guys coming in on the offensive line now who are gonna get fifty thousand dollars and they haven't been there yeah i mean i think it holds a lot of expectations for the guys coming in i mean especially the guys that are big time crudes coming in here that hey maybe they're coming here just because of that reason and that's good for that it's good for the school good for the football team but can you can you not let that affect like how you play on the field like I was saying earlier and that's that's gonna be the big question you know I think you can't let um, this, this Nil stuff affect you on the field and um, so I think that's the big thing honestly <laughs> well um, we'll take a quick break here on the uh, flagship podcast interview with Texas tight end Cade Brewer when we come back. Well, uh, I'll remind him that he was once committed to my alma mater, SMU, <laughs> along with his buddy, uh, Charlie Brewer. And and Cade came in with Tom Herman in the class of 2017. Uh, we'll get into that. Don't go away. We'll be right back on the flagship podcast interview. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cade, um, you were once committed to SMU with with Charlie Brewer, and you know I was ecstatic about it as a SMU alum. 
Um, and obviously bigger and better things came along. Um, but do you ever think back to what might've been if you and Charlie went to SMU, obviously Charlie threw for over 10,000 yards at Baylor and, and is back, uh, in the transfer portal right now, I believe. Yes, he is. You know where he's going? I don't yet. Um, I know he's got a couple schools in mind, but I don't know exactly where he's going to go, but it'll be interesting. Do you ever think back sure. on what if, or have you not thought about it since the day you, you know, That's I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely thought about it. Um, that would have been crazy if me and Charlie both would happen. You know, I never thought Texas when it was going to come and offer me a scholarship. Um, came really late in my senior year and, you know, by the grace of God, it got an offer from Texas, always wanted an offer from Texas and, you know, couldn't pass up the opportunity. But, yeah, it's crazy if I wanted, wanted to, went to SMU, how things would have been different. And, you know, Coach Morris was one of the main reasons I committed there because I already had a good relationship with him, with him being like Travis and, um, and Charlie too. So with him leaving, like, after, you know, a year or two after I've committed, like, that would have been weird and, I don't know. It should have been. It should have been different. I don't know. Um, definitely would have been different. I'm thinking about it right now. I think I would have not been as heavy. <laughs> um, would have been a more little slot receiver. I think that's what they were telling me. But um, definitely would have been different. But you know, who knows um, what would have happened if I went to SMU? So. Yeah, I mean. You and I, I mentioned going into the break that you came in with Tom Herman. You were in the class of, of 2017. So you were there for the whole Herman experience. And then, of course, got a year with Steve Sarkeesian. And, you know, what are you going to remember most from your first four years at Texas? I think what I'm going to remember most is I mean, on the football side, I think I improved as a blocker, like, drastically from high school. I think, you know, coming out of high school, I was basically a receiver. But then coming here, I, you know, came into a really good blocker. And um, I think that's one of the main things that's changed since I got here on the football side. But, um, you know, I thought Coach Herman, you know, obviously, I, you know, I have a great deal of respect for him because he – you know, gave me an opportunity to play at this university and um, and not the other Texas coaches did. So, you know, I uphold, uphold them to that. But I think that, um, you know, uh, that's what I'll remember most on the football side. And, um, you know, Coach Herman gave me an opportunity to play here. That's uh, what I'll remember most about him. And he's, he's uh, you know, he makes no bones about the fact that he's got to be the, the, you know, the, the black hat, the – the crazy eyed drill sergeant, you know, the, the taskmaster to, to keep everyone uh, headed in the same direction. It, uh, he once told me it's exhausting doing it, but um, it's a different way. It's the urban Meyer approach. Fear is, a, you know, one of the primary motivators in that equation. Um, does that work? And, you know, urban Meyer said he wouldn't, he didn't want to coach college anymore and he's going to the NFL because he was worried his style wouldn't work in the age of the transfer portal. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think college football is changing in that aspect. Um, the transfer portal has changed 
everything, honestly. You know, it's so easy to transfer now. You literally just go on the website. Well, I don't even know how to do it, but you just go on the portal and, bam, you can go play it anywhere in the next year or that season. So I think that the transfer portal has changed cultural ball tremendously. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, uh, Coach Herman did a little more. He has a little more different style than Coach Sark does, but um, you know, doesn't do all the, the you know, the crazy punishments like eating like the burnt eggs and all that stuff. He doesn't really do that, but they they have similar philosophies with how they coach and you know how they discipline guys. But yeah, it's the portal has changed everything, honestly, and I agree with Coach Meyer. It's changed college football and how easy it is to get in the portal and go somewhere else. Well, let's go back to the burnt toast and the drinking out of a hose and all that stuff. <laughs> Did that only happen during the during the summer, or well, it only happened the first year? When when were the competitions where the winners got hot breakfast and the losers got? Yeah, so that was during the winter. I know the first year, the first spring that Coach Herman got there, I heard it was pretty, you know. They were actually giving them like burnt stuff and then like burnt eggs, burnt food, whatever. The losers had to do it. You know, as the years went on, when I got there, it kind of got, you know, the losers had to, you know, had to eat. It wasn't like burnt eggs or anything, but it wasn't as good of a breakfast as the winners had. But, um, but yeah, I heard the first spring that Herman got there, it was, um, they were actually eating like burnt toast and burnt eggs and all that stuff. But you, I actually, I actually wasn't there for it. But well, no, I would imagine you were at the champions' dinners. Yeah, I I got some of those bad breakfasts too. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I think everyone has, but yeah, I has also had some of those breakfasts that um, that were good breakfasts, and they actually were good breakfasts. So it was definitely wanted to have a good breakfast on those days because we didn't. It was not going to be that good of a breakfast. So. Okay, so if you got a bad breakfast, it was burnt toast, running eggs, know. cold oatmeal. What what was it? I, I don't I don't remember exactly. I when I was there, they weren't they weren't doing that. I was okay. I was eating. I can't remember. It was like a apple and like a protein shake or something like that. But the winners got like breakfast tacos, pancakes, all that stuff. You know. Okay. But I wasn't there for the burnt food or any of that, so okay. I can't attest to that. But I heard about it for sure. Okay. Um, let's see. So you were a freshman on the on the Sugar Bowl team. What year were you? I was a sophomore. Okay. So things are looking up. I mean, take us through that. Uh, was that the high point of the like on field? The Sugar Bowl team? season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after we won the Sugar Bowl, I think we had huge momentum going into 2019 season. Um, you know, with Sam coming back, having a great year, you know, returning a lot of starters on offense um, and defense as well. So I think, you know, going into that season, I think we had a lot of momentum. And, you know, 2018, we had a talented group of guys on that team. Um, you know, we had the – I, know, I can't remember the top of my head, but we had a lot of draft picks, if I believe, and they're still playing right now. And so we did in 2019, but I think 2018 definitely had we were, gave us a lot of momentum going into 2019. And 
um, you know, I don't, we were good in 2019. I still know we played LSU close. I remember, I remember that because yeah. that's one of the best teams in college football history. We played them close, had a chance to beat them, but then, you know, had a lot of close games, couldn't finish out, and had a lot of injuries too, I think, that year. But, um, yeah, definitely thought we were going to have a better 2019 season, but uh, well, that's what it is. The, the closing out of games obviously became a thing this year in 2021. And it just seemed like each week it was different. I mean, it wasn't, you know, against OU, the offense put up a ton of points. Um, you know, defense had some struggles against Oklahoma State. The offense, you know, the defense was good for three quarters. The offense was up and down and, and then, you know, Baylor, there was uh, some drop passes and, you know, it just, it was different each week. I mean, when you think back on it now, what do you think it was? I think it was a lot of little things turning into big things. Like, like you're saying, the Baylor game, we had a, we're going down into the half, going about to, you know, at least get a field goal going into the half. And, you know, we had the draw pass and they got the pick. And, you know, they had momentum going into in the second half of that game. And uh, we just, I don't know, we just couldn't finish in that game. There's a lot of those games that are like that, um, that little thing for turning into big things. And, um, yeah, it was just, I don't, I don't know. I wish I could have went back and, you know, changed what happened. But I know there was, a lot of a lot of little things that were happening in the games that turn into big things, like not like like I said in the Baylor game, we're going at halftime, getting a field goal or a touchdown, and you know throwing that pick, but just happened at wrong times. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you know Iowa State, we got our butt kicked, and Arkansas, we got our butt kicked, but the other games we had chances to win. So. Um, well, take me through the Kansas. I mean, they finally got you downfield. And you catch the the touchdown yeah. with 22 seconds left. I mean, that was as crazy as it gets. Take me through, you know, the play call and okay. what you're thinking at the line. Take me through that whole play. Yeah, so I can't remember if the defense got – yeah, defense got a stop. We got the pump back. DJ had a pretty good return. And we had 22 seconds left. Then – we actually ran this play, the play I scored on. We actually ran this play like four or five times during the game. And we got, we just got him in the right coverage. They're in man coverage. And I ran a bluff and go on the corner. Act like I was in the box the corner, then went the seam. And I beat my guy and just went up and got it. Casey threw a pretty good ball where I can catch it. And man, rest is history. But um, it was a perfect play called by Sark. I remember um, lining up for that play and Sark was telling me, he's like, throw it to the Y. I mean, he's throw it to the tight end. And because um, it was man coverage. And I guess Casey heard him and bam, beat him, scored a touchdown. Yeah, that that was that was awesome. I mean, the ending obviously uh, was a heartbreaker. Anyway, but, uh, uh, yeah, definitely. That that was a that was a great moment, um, you know, especially since you were the guy in terms of being the the blocking tight end um, the last couple of years. And, la and last year, I think now you can tell people, um, you know, in 2020, how, how banged up you were. I mean, you were getting your knee drained 
like yeah regular i mean take take us through the all the injuries from 2020 yeah 2020 it was it was a tough year for me honestly because i was i was playing banged up almost every game and a lot of people didn't know um like you said i had my knee drained uh my my knee looked like it was bruised up from middle of my shin all the way to middle of my thigh and I did that in Oklahoma State game, and I barely played. I think the next week in West Virginia because because of my knee, and um, then I I sprained both AC joints in my shoulder. One in the OU game, then one in practice during the bye week. Then you know that was rough, and I think I had then in the Tech game I sprained my MCL and had to deal with that. So yeah, I had to deal with a lot of injuries that a lot of people didn't know about, and didn't get as much playing time because of that, those injuries and didn't, um, you know, miss a lot of time because of the injuries, especially in this, this uh, West Virginia game. I remember that I only played like one drive and, um, you know, didn't play, you know, the best as I could because those injuries and I wasn't hundred percent basically the whole season. So it was relieving this year because I didn't have any of those problems. I, you know, started and played in all games, um, injury free. So that was, I was really happy about that after the K-State game that I got through a whole season injury-free. And uh, it was relieving because I, I never had that in my college career except my sophomore year where I didn't really play because of Andrew Beck. But, um, yeah, I was excited about that this year that I got through a season without getting injured. So, yeah, yeah I mean, 2020 was rough for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that was, you know, part of the nice payoff for coming back and playing your – your COVID redshirt season. Um, you've also had a chance to to look at the guys who will be coming back. Um, you know, the guys who are in your burn ends, uh, <laughs> NIL initiative, uh, Gunnar Helm, Juan Davis, um, Jatavian Sanders, and, you know, Braden Lyrock was hurt this year, but, uh, you know, Jared Wiley, what, um, what do you think of those young guys The you know, Gunnar Helm, Juan Davis, take me through what stands out about Gunnar Helm. Gunnar is a very smart guy. He's very smart football player. He's very physical for being a freshman. Um, he's going to be a good player. I, I think Gunnar's going to be a great player here at Texas. I think that he has a lot of potential. Um, he can catch the ball really well. He can block. He's getting, he's improving as a blocker. Um, but you know, the sky's the limit for him, uh, for, for Juan, really good receiver, really fast, definitely the fastest in the tight end room, um, by far, honestly, um, really fast. He, you know, catches the ball really well. He's getting really, he's getting a lot better as a blocker. He's more of like a move H back. He's not, you're not going to see Juan put his hand on the ground and block a defensive end, but he's. Very good at like the slide back, kick out blocks, and very good in space. Um, Jatavion, you know, very big dude, very athletic, you know, five star coming out of high school, whatever. Um, can block very well. He's improving as a blocker as well. Um, you know, they can all catch the ball. They're all really good receivers. Um, it's funny because we all joked about it all year. JT was getting like five balls of practice. I don't know how he was always open um, and um, getting balls. So 
they're all three, you know, really good tight ends, and they're all improving well. And uh, I think that um, they're only going to get better as the years go. And what about Jared? Because now he's the the veteran guy in the room. Yeah, Jared's he's been around for a while. Um, I think he'll be a senior this year. But um, yeah, he's a veteran guy. He's he's gotten so much better in blocking uh, over the years. I remember when he first came in; he wasn't very good. He'll he'll tell him um, himself, but. He's definitely gotten better as a blocker. He's gotten so much stronger since he's gotten here. Um, he can move guys. He can move defensive ends pretty well. I think he put that on tape this year. Um, he can catch the ball as well. He's he's very smart, too. We, we have a very smart room. Everyone's pretty smart in the room, and I think that's, um, you know, critical at the tight end position. So, you know, Jared's going to be a, you know, a veteran guy in that group for sure this year. When – when you look at the quarterback situation, obviously everybody does, especially at Texas, everything, everything gets scrutinized. Um, you know, Casey was, was playing pretty well um, up to the thumb injury and he even had some games where he played okay after the, the thumb injury. But what, what do you think the thumb injury, you know, what kind of impact do you think it had? Yeah, I, I don't, I think it had a pretty good impact because, you know, he was, I think he wasn't his best as he could have been all year because he was, you know, you know, worried about the thumb like almost every game. And I think that, you know, it's on his throwing hand too, which is, you know, a big deal because, you know, injuring your thumb on your throwing hand can obviously affect how you throw the ball. So I think that, you know, and you're practicing almost every day. So, you're not really giving that thumb rest because you don't, you don't really have days off during the season. So I think he didn't get that critical recovery time for that thumb that he needed. So he could just kept throwing the ball every day and not, you know, getting that rest that he needed, but, and also playing the games is going to get hit and stuff. So, you know, I think that had a, could have had an impact on how he played this year. I don't know, but, um, you know, injuring your thumb on your throwing hand definitely can affect how you, throw the ball so I mean I'll say that well your position coach Jeff Banks is one of the more uh animated interesting uh guys um he obviously had a unfortunate uh you know situation come up during the season um with with monkey gate and everything but t tell us about Jeff Banks a lot of people don't know uh him obviously the way you do what, what's he like? What's he like as a coach? What uh, what stands out about him? Yeah, Coach Banks is – he's a really good coach. One of the best coaches I've had since I've been here. He's my fourth position coach, and I think he's, you know, one of, if not the best coach I've had. Um, I think he's <clears> – <throat> you know, he's a very good coach, very good teacher. Um, you know, he's hard when he needs to be hard. He's, you know, very – he's a player's coach. He, he like – when you when you need a rest, you'll get your rest. When he needs to get on you, he'll get on you. And I think that it's really fitting as a player. He wants to build relationships with players and especially the tight end room. And I think that um, you know, there's stuff off the field that makes him look bad and makes him think he's, you know, not a good guy and all this, but you know, it's not true. I think that, you know, Mita um, perceives him as that guy, but he's also, you know, you know, great guy, he's a great coach. Um and he's fun to be around too. What um, 
you know, when you look at this uh, staff, a lot of people are, you know, wondering what Sark needs to do to to have the program take the next step. Um, what's your what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's getting the right guys in the program, um, getting the right players that believe in the culture, that believe in what the staff is doing. I think that's it starts there, and um, you know, I think Coach Sark's put together a really good staff. I don't think that's it. That's the issue. Um, we just need everyone in the program involved in the program buying into what Sark's, you know, preaching. And I think that's once we get that, once everyone buys in and believes in what he's doing, I think that's ultimately going to change how this uh, program is going to going to be and how it's going to take that next step. So he needs to get his guys in, get guys in who are about him and his culture. Yeah. I mean, I think – that's all all successful teams are. I think that, you know, players, when players believe in the culture and they live by the culture 24-7, that's, that's how you get the Alabamas, the people, the teams that are in the playoff this year. I think that's how you get those teams that, you know, not only the players, but everybody in the, in the building, trainers, nutrition staff, like everyone in the building that's involved bought in. And I think that's how you get that next up. Um, did you room with Dicker? I did this year. I have a semester. So is he is he coming back or is he done? <sighs> He's being weird about it. Um I don't know. I gotta I gotta let him answer that for him um for you, but because he's like within striking distance of the all-time scoring record. I know. If he comes back here, he's gonna break all that. Yeah. If he I comes back, he'll break I, it. I don't know. Um We'll see. It'll be interesting. Okay. I, I so, really don't know. It's he's he's definitely being weird about it, but I think if I were to put money on it, I bet he would come back. But I don't know. Okay. So cause you were his holder in high school, right? I was. I was his holder for two years in high school. Well holding was easy in high school. I, I just put on the T. Now like when he gets to college and you know, the next level he's like the kickers have a spot you put it on if they want you to put it on. So like you can't miss that spot or it's going to mess them up. But in high school, you had a T it was easy. You just put on the T, but like gotcha. you had to put on a certain spot. But uh, no, yeah, I was the holder for him in high school. Cause I mean, Dicker had a great year this year. Yeah, he did. He did. He phenomenal punting 47 yards per punt. He He's was... a great punter. Yeah. He's, yeah. He has a strong leg. Like it's ridiculous how strong his leg is. And, I mean, he's got, he's definitely got a chance at the next level. Oh yeah, for sure. And speaking of the next level, what, uh, tell us about your plans, what you got going heading into, to pro day and. Yeah. So I think I'm going to be training here. Well, I know I'm going to be training here in Austin, um, with this guy named Matthew Neal. I've been training with him since high school. Um, he's been training a bunch of NFL guys as well. Um, this place is called Acceleration, and it's over there in Spicewood off 71. Um, but um, I'll be with him. I believe in him. I trust him. So be with him. I start next week. Um, I've narrowed my agents down to two guys. So um, probably going to be figuring that out next week as well. So next week's a big week. But um, we'll start training next week with uh, Matt for Pro Day and, uh, wow. and stuff. It's exciting. I mean, um, 
look, some guys have have uh, have made good NFL careers for themselves at that tight end position. Maybe, you know, people didn't even think that they would. Guys like Jeff Swaim and and uh, you know at other schools too. So um, it it just takes one team to to like you, you know. Yeah. She need an opportunity. That's really what I want. Just opportunity. Yeah. All right. So last thing, take us behind the scenes. Um, tell us something we don't know about Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, um, I guess I'll say this because I'm a golfer, but I know he's a big golfer. Um, you know, every time I get to talk to him one-on-one, we talk about golf a lot. So, um, hopefully one of these days we can play together and I'll show him who's boss in golf. So yep. what's your handicap <laughs> right now? It's probably like, uh, I haven't been playing obviously, but it's probably around five or six. That's good. I've gone down. to like a two. Wow. When I was playing during COVID cause of COVID I was playing like almost every day cause couldn't do anything else. But, uh, wow. yeah, I've gone down to two, you know, I've, I can beat my dad pretty easily. He's, he won't. He won't say that. He won't yeah, he was a college that. golfer. Yeah, he was. He thinks he's. He thinks he can beat me like almost every time, but he can't. But um, yeah. What's Sarkeesian's <laughs> handicap? I have no idea. He he doesn't say. <sighs> he, I don't remember. I mean, I know he's like. Not, I know he's not bad. Yeah, he's not bad, and I've never seen him play. But he says he plays a lot and he loves games. So. He's What's the funniest bad. thing he said, like in a team setting? Um, there's one practice, one of the, one of the practices this year during the season, and we're in a seven on seven period, and so we're doing we're in twelve personnel. So Jade Tavion was in, Juan were in. They're the, the two tight ends that were in with the twos, and I think uh, JT call him JT. I think JT ran like the wrong route or did something wrong. And Sark goes, Hey, Javier. He called him Javier for some reason. We're like, what the hell? Like, what's going on? He's, he's Javier. It's like, Javier, like run this, run this route. I can't remember what he did wrong. But everyone's, everyone's looking around like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? Like, who's Javier? And he's like, Oh my bad. I meant JT. It was just so funny. Cause he called him Javier, like the whole practice. Or like, who's Javier? And he, because he was like talking to, he was talking to JT, but he was calling Javier. It was so funny. Oh my god! That's the only thing I can remember. But yeah, that's that was so pretty funny. funny. We, we got a good laugh out of that. Who's Javier? Oh my bad. Yeah, JT. called him Javier. It wasn't even like, I don't even know. It's not even close to Chevion. Butter, but that was funny. Well. Listen, Cade, we appreciate it, man. We appreciate you taking some time for us here at the Flagship Podcast. Nothing but the best for your training heading into Pro Day. And uh, fascinating to hear how the, the Burn Ends program worked, and, it, and it's worked. I mean, they're going to they're gonna pay you the 10 Gs, huh? Yeah, yep. They'll be playing you the rest of the, the contract and like next week, I think. That's awesome. So, nice. That's awesome. You are living, breathing proof that, uh, you know, these NIL initiatives, at least the ones involving Rick Vasquez and, 
and Rob Blair come through. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, those offensive linemen are, are going to be. They're in good hands. They are. In That's good hands. Hilarious. But, yeah. Well, listen, go enjoy uh, the rest of your day. Go go get some golf in or something. And uh, 4K Brewer, I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Thanks, everybody, for, for tuning in to the flagship podcast interview. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.